Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Today, we have a very special guest. As always, I'm excited to talk to just wonderful people. We had this conversation in the works for a while, and then a strike happened, and we had to wait. But now we can talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Now we can talk about all the things. All the things. Well, our guest today is actor, activist, uh, philanthropic. You're just very very busy, 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 Alicia Reiner. Thank you for your time. It's great to meet you and and we'll have a great conversation. I'm excited to talk. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, I promised I wouldn't ask a million questions about Orange. <laughs> so we're going to just talk about what's current for you, which I think is important because you've done so yeah. many things since that. However, I think that's probably how a lot of people identify with you. But you're in an off-Broadway show right now called War Words. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was able to go on and research that and check that out. And I think that's very great. You play a character who has cancer. Uh, This is a very thoughtful project. What what is this one about? Because I think it's very fantastic. As a veteran myself, I, I find this to be extremely fascinating for sure. Well, I did not know you're a vet. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. But it's hot to say instead of thank you for your service thank you for your sacrifice yeah i appreciate that yeah really that's really what it's about and i think as a culture in general a lot of people don't understand what it means to serve sadly like what does it really mean to serve both in the military but to serve your community at all you know um and this project was brought to me. It's all the actual words of soldiers from Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, And I play a woman who does EOD, which I'm sure you know, um, which for those of you who don't know is explosive ordnance disposal. I basically diffuse bombs. Right. And she is a real woman. And um, what a lot of people also don't know is that the, rate of cancer for women in the military is 40% higher than the general population. Um, I think a lot of it is stress. They think a lot of it is chemical warfare. Um, and it's, it's a huge risk and hazard to being of service and being sacrificing your body, putting your body on the line in a way that we don't even think about. There are so many ways that those who serve put their bodies on the line. And this is yet another way. So I feel deeply honored and privileged to tell her story. I am amazed by the talent in this cast. There are 14 different actors, two of whom are actual vets. And they're some of the most talented humans I've ever worked with in my entire life. The writing is extraordinary. The way she wove these stories together, it's all actual words, but the way 
our writer, Michelle Brooks, wove them together is really, really extraordinary. So I hope people can make it. Um, if you could put like a link and we do have a special um, discount for people who have served. So it's words 40 for 40% off if you are a vet. That's so cool. Now, yeah. as an actor and storyteller, you have done so many different things. Obviously, the characters are so different. But when you're looking at a project like this in particular, what what triggers you to go, okay? I mean, obviously, the subject matter is a big deal. So I think it's probably maybe a little bit more obvious for this. But just generally speaking, like, to commit your time to as an actor. I love that you asked that, Brett. So Thank for you. me, I there's really a multitude of reasons, right? Sometimes it, it might just have to be a paycheck. Look, we, right. we were just on strike for six months. So paychecks are really important right now. Um, and that's okay. I have been blessed to be offered some extraordinary stories to tell. And my dream in life, my goal in life, my mission in life is to tell stories that help evolve culture and bring more love, community, and um, a sense of world, like togetherness and unity to like, that's my mission as a storyteller. So when I get to do that, that is the best, best, best. I feel like this is definitely one of those stories. Orange was one of those stories. Better Things was one of those stories. Being part of Ms. Marvel, the first ever Muslim superhero story, is especially yeah. in this moment, so very important to me. Um, so I feel so, so, so lucky when I get to tell those kind of stories. I think that's um, interesting. The other thing is like working with cool people. Yeah. You know, like be it the actor, the director, the writer, the producers. Like I'm always really interested in working with people who I admire and who I, I love their work. Um, I'm working on a project right now with an incredible writer, director named Shana Feinberg. And um, we're going to be shooting a short version of this piece in February with the amazing Tova Felgen. Um, And I'm so, so excited about that. Now, I have to ask, when people meet you, because of all these different characters you've played, do they, fans tend to like pocket you with one character or another and think you are that character? Because yes. I've, I've talked yeah, to so many what? amazing people and I'm just curious <laughs> to hear what you have to say. Because I imagine that would almost have to happen by default because yeah. of either Shining Veil or yeah. or Maisel, you know, I mean, yeah. do they just go, I'm, oh, she's like this. So let's I'm much treat her more that comfortable way. with like Shining Veil or Better Things because those are a little bit closer to me, like, right. you know, basically your average girl. Um But with Orange or um, Ms. Marvel... I'm kind of, you know, I have a, a reputation for playing a very strong woman. Um, some people would say a bitch. Um, and I will never forget when my daughter was tiny and we were just starting Orange and I would get recognized a great deal for that, for Fig. People would be like, oh my God, you're such a badass. And I remember my kid at, you know, three years old looking up at me and being like, mama, what's a badass? You know, so... <laughs> Um, there's definitely some, and I've had some moments where I've ordered food and someone was like, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, 
I didn't hear you. I'm just so scared that I'm going to have to go to prison now, you know? That's funny. Um, Interestingly, but funny. Well, I was interviewing an actor from Shameless. It's interesting you mentioned that the way people sort of identify characters or label them as good or bad or asses or whatever. But Dennis Cockrum, who played a very dark character on that show, and he said, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's bad. That's just how the writers created him. Mm-hmm. So is that something that's important to you? Because he chose that project for that reason, because yeah. of the way they wrote the character. So do you choose, is the writing too, like when you have the freedom of choice, not necessarily like a strike where it's like, we haven't worked in six months, we need a job. But when you maybe have a little bit more freedom of choice, is there something that you're looking at particularly uh, like this play. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm always, to me, being an artist, being a storyteller in the way that I am is such a gift and a privilege. Like I feel lucky every day that I get to do it. And I'm most interested in playing characters I've never played before. You know, I've okay. certainly never played a soldier before. And it, it was, it's been so deep and fascinating interviewing, you know, I interviewed about 10 different EODs and finding women who do it and not just taking the text for what it is, which is deep and rich and um, has so many clues and information in it in itself, but to then spend hours and hours and hours interviewing actual people, um, listening to podcasts and listening and reading articles and, um, really delving into a world that I had no place in before, similar to incarceration, you know, learning about a world. And then I tend to be a human who then becomes an advocate for the character or the world in which I live. So with Fig, I got very involved in activism around incarcerated people, formerly incarcerated people. How do we stop recidivism? How do we set up structures and scaffolding for when people do come out? How do we advocate for abolition? You know, how do we make clear to people that the industrial prison complex is what it is and that it is about money. It isn't about people who have necessarily done such horrible crimes. It's about the people who are running the prisons making billions of dollars similar to big farmer, you know? So um, I love learning about a world, immersing into a world and then being an advocate and an ally for whatever population needs um, a spotlight in that moment. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've always found so fascinating is the fact that you do involve yourself in those things. Now we'll switch gears here and talk about the, the activism and the projects you're involved in. Um, When it comes to that in particular, what what is important to you in that regard as far as choosing how you're going to commit your time and maybe resources for that? That's the hardest thing, you know, because we all have limited resources. Um, and I would say I kind of go where the ocean takes me around okay. that, you know, like 
in this moment, I'm very busy with both veteran activism and with cancer activism. Now I've been active with cancer activism for a very long time. There's a couple of organizations I work with very deeply. One is the Cancer Support Community, which provides free emotional, social, and psychological support for people with cancer, their friends and family. Um, and I've been working with them for Oopla. Um, over a decade, I first found out about them when my dad died very suddenly. He was 55 and he died after 10 days. And I actually made a short film to be used as a grief counseling tool um, that went to a bunch of festivals, won a bunch of awards, but then is now used in cancer support communities all over the country as a grief counseling tool. Um, so I've been working with them for a very long time. They do extraordinary work. I'm now working also with my cancer family, um, which is a super cool app that you can download that really is, again, about resources to help those people with cancer. Um, and I also, I do cycle for survival every year and raise a bunch of money for um, Memorial Sloan Kettering. So there are a bunch of ways that I've been deep in the cancer world for a long time. I've lost some dear, dear, dear friends. Mm. Actually, I look at a picture of one of them right now. Um, and, uh, and so I, until we have a cure, I will, you know, I will be stomping that one for a long, long time. And then, you know, like, for example, the environment, like the environment is something I'm deeply passionate about. Um, and I'm on the board of Earth Day Initiative. Um, I work a lot with Plastic Pollution Coalition. We're doing some cool stuff around SAG-AFTRA and Plastic Pollution Coalition. Yeah. So I'm always looking at like, how do I use my voice for good and how do I help educate people, be it about the environment, about food waste and a lot around plastics. A lot of it is also, I think there is so much darkness in the world and so much fear mongering. And one of my biggest goals is how do I be a source of hope and tangible solution and real steps and tools for people to take and also excitement. You know, it's yeah. like, I, for example, I, um, I'm an advisor on air protein, which is a new protein source that is made out of the air. And it's Interesting. So exciting. It's NASA-based technology. It's this incredible Black woman named Lisa Dyson, who was a scientist at NASA and now is building this huge business that's going to, I think, change the world. Um, and so it's really important to talk about things like that, to talk about the things like Tuesday was the first flight ever from London to the U.S. using all recycled fuel. Interesting. Um, and wow. there's so many awesome ways we are making progress. And it, it's so important because we have a, such a negativity bias as humans in our brains, but also in our society, because if they sell us the negativity bias, they then sell us things, right? It's like, oh, you're sad. Now you want things. <laughs> like that's sort of how capitalism works. Um, so uh, yeah. And you work with Gina Davis too in her organization as yeah, well. Yeah, I work with them a lot. They actually just featured me today, which is really fun on their newsletter. But I love the Gina Davis Institute. Um, 
I've been working with them for over a decade. I'm so excited. It's about to be our 20-year anniversary, and it's about to be the 10-year anniversary of the Benville Film Festival, which happens in June. That's very, I love that, that you really just do a lot of different things, although you're busy as a parent and as an actor, but you also commit your time to things like this and are very particular, I learned, about that, which I think is great because, I mean, when you're promoting a show, you've even done, from what I can tell, just not a lot of things because you are so busy. I want to yeah. talk to you about this idea. We were joking about the strike a little bit, and I don't want to get too into the weeds with that, but you were involved in that, you, you and your, your former castmates, and I think your show in particular – that's my angle with this is that it was a very hot topic about that because I don't think I understood it because I talked to storytellers every day, but not a lot of people understood that. And it, you'd like orange was like, that was the go-to show that everybody was trying to get people to understand that number one, you didn't know at the time how big it was going to be. And you negotiated based on what you knew versus now where one of your actors, Kamiko, was like, yeah. my naked body is on that screen in perpetuity and this, that, and the other. So I want to ask you, as an actress, as an advocate for fair wages and all these different things, like what are some things that you think that Hollywood has learned now just in general as far as how they treat women, how they treat actors in general? I would love to hear just a little snippet on that. Not well, anything in particular, yeah. just kind of curious, like what you guys learned. I will start by saying I'm incredibly indebted to our negotiating committee who spent, you know, six months in those rooms um, hammering out this deal. In particular, one woman who is a dear friend, Michelle Hurd, who yeah. really, really, really advocated not just for fair wages, which we have now, you know, like we have a whole new structure for streaming. We have a whole new structure around um, if a show does incredibly well, how do actors participate in that? That was unheard of. So they made huge, huge, huge progress in reference to fair wage. They also made progress in reference to things like nudity and auditions and like that was part of this contract we don't talk about that we just talked we were just talking about like streamers and ai streamers and ai right but in fact, a lot of what michelle was proud of what she did was all about how do we protect actors on set how do we you know we talk a lot about um intimacy coordinators yeah that's right become people. a thing over the last it, few years and it's amazing i don't know if it existed during your show but Probably it not. Didn't, it didn't exist when I was doing Orange, but it did exist when I did the Deuce. And I'll never okay. forget my first time working with an intimacy coordinator. And I was like, this is life changing. Even the best though thing I'm ever. fully closed, clothed, watching them be an advocate for the naked actors. And I will never forget, um, there was like a grip or, you know, someone who holds the lights. And um, she said to him, she was like, turn away. You're not allowed to look at those bodies until you hear the word rolling, which was revelatory to me. Like, forget even videotaping or, you know, using your phone, but you are not even a, a, 
allowed to use your eyes on those bodies. And that was completely amazing that to have that like sense of protection for the actor. Um, so I, I really believe in intimacy coordinators and what we're finding is, and what was part of this negotiation is there aren't actually enough intimacy coordinators to mandate it because if we mandated it on every single set that had a kiss, for example, there just simply aren't enough people, but we're, we're getting there. And that's what a lot of this negotiation was similar to AI. It's like, we are starting a negotiation. This isn't the end. This is right. three years and we are carving out new areas where we've never carved out before. And you have to start, you know, similar to any negotiation. Yeah. As a sidebar, and then we'll wrap here. Yeah. I don't think people realize how uncomfortable and awkward we watch it on the screen and go, oh, wow, this is so fun to watch, yada, yada. But all joking aside, it is probably one of the most uncomfortable and potentially, although agreed upon, it's really awkward. Like it's people, really awkward. people it's don't get it. Very rarely fun. Um, Ever. Yeah. And I was yeah. watching, there was a show and the actors were like, this was like the most uncomfortable thing ever. But thank goodness you all were able to make strides and protect yourselves and get fair wages and really just like get to where you need to be. And hopefully Hollywood, I've heard it say, can be portrayed as a broken box of toys and things need to change. Like yeah. regardless whether it's the activism part of it, it's the way people are treated, it's the wages. Yeah. 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 Although it's your livelihood, you know, you don't want to stick to a job that never changes and progresses. And I think this yeah. is really like outside of the me too, this is a big deal for everybody to like really get what's fair. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. And it's funny because, you know, I think a lot of people do find sex on screen tantalizing. My daughter, who's 15, <laughs> she's probably like, like, Mom. Finds it, like finds it disgusting. Like she's sure. deeply uncomfortable that we, we as a society, she like doesn't get it, which is really interesting because when I was 15, I found it tantalizing, but She's like, why do we do this? Like, I don't want to watch strangers have sex. That's a ridiculous concept. Right. Um, and I find that really interesting. And I'm curious if that's true of all of her generation or she's an outlier in that way. I don't know. That could either be a really positive thing or, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a nine-year-old so. and we're not really yeah. quite there yet, but yeah. he will watch certain shows and some things will happen, not anything crazy, but even just conversations. And he yeah. just finds it weird. You know, yeah. I don't know when I was nine years old, I was, it was a completely different world. Well, this is great. I mean, you just have so many amazing things going on. One last question. Yeah. I know as an individual, you know, oftentimes we look to be validated in different ways, whether it's words of affirmation or just appreciation for our work. But as an individual, as Alicia, what where do you find yourself the most validated? Is it by a project? Is it by friends, family, the philanthropic, the activism work? Like where where do you find your validation in all of this and That's find a the good success? Question. 
fun. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the kind words. I really, I, I think just like when people are like, what's your favorite movie? And I shy away from favorite anything, you know, there are beautiful moments of validation in all I do. Um, I would say, you know, there's like being a volunteer fire person, for example, has a deep level of validation that's very anonymous. Like nobody knows that I'm doing it. I'm very, very anonymous when I'm doing it. And, but it makes me feel so awesome and esteemable to be of service to my community and to feel like I'm part of the solution in that way. And that's a very unique feeling that like sort of anonymous um, service, which I sometimes get in my activism, but a lot of times because I am a well-known person in my activism, even there's a little bit of like recognition that I'm not there for that. So that can sometimes feel a little like, oh, okay, but I'm really here because I really want to feed people or I really want to, you know. So um, I think there's when I'm able to touch people with my art, when I'm able to inspire people with my art, be it on set, you know, like when I have a female driven set and there are more women than men in behind and in front of the camera. And the PA says to me, wow, this feels so awesome. I've never experienced this before. And you're making me feel like anything is possible. And I can be a director someday. Like that's incredibly validating. Um, And when my art moves people, like that's incredibly validating, much more validating than, awards. Love me some awards. I always want to say like, I'm not ever dissing awards. Love me some awards. Love me some big money for doing what I'm doing. But those like one-on-one conversations when people are like, oh my God, you touched my heart. You like helped me is supreme, supreme. But I could never say that like either of those things are better or equal to like what it means to be the mom that I am or the wife that I am or the daughter or the friend that I am. Like there's deep validation in very unique ways to all of those things. So they're deeply incomparable. They're such different experiences and feelings. They all have levels of validation, quote unquote, to them, but they're there's such, it's like a whole rainbow of validation. I couldn't pick just one color, you know? I love it. Side question. Do the kids have any interest in acting at all? No, my daughter wants to be like a doctor pretty much and like, and teach physics. Um, Probably one of those situations where you would allow it and encourage it if it was interesting, but if they're not interested, They probably find what you do on television and film probably like of zero interest, maybe to a point because it's like, I think she, it's like, it's kind of fun and entertaining to her, especially like a Ms. Marvel, but she has seen the lack of privacy that it entails. Yeah, I'm sure. She was little and she has no desire for that. She's like, no, thanks. 
I like my having my life that's just mine. She's a little right. Can little, we take a picture you know, or this out of the other? Yeah, I imagine yeah, it's probably yeah. exhausting. Um, if I yeah. saw somebody in public and they were with their kids, I would probably maybe say hi, just a quick like this, but not like, you know, I don't know. I have a nine-year-old. I'm not famous. I don't get that, but like, I get it. You know, kids want the attention of their parents really, you know, even if I'm doing something else and he's in the room, he's like, can you yeah, just not fine. do that yeah. please? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I think one of the most important things we can do when we're with our kids and is be fully present with them and not be on our phones and not be on our computers as hard as that all is. It's one of the most important things we can do. Yeah. I don't even like bringing him to my studio because yeah. he automatically knows this is going to be, you know, ignore time. Yeah. Well, this is great. We have the off-Broadway show, which we'll link. We have yeah. Mrs. Maisel streaming. Mrs. We have, Marvel is streaming. Mrs. Marvel is streaming right now on Disney Plus. And we Shining have Vale, Shining both vale. season one and season two are streaming right now on Stars. Um, obviously orange is the new black is streaming forever. Um, and yeah, that's better for, forever streaming. streaming on, on Hulu. Um, and then I also have three movies on the, on the festival circuit right now. So that's exciting. I can finally talk about them. So do you want to name those three really quick? And sure. Then one we'll... is called, um, the feeling that the time for doing something has passed and Magnolia pictures just bought that. So that'll probably come out wide in like the spring. And then the other two, one is called Ramona at Midlife and one is called Going Places. Actually, Going Places is with another um, Shameless star with Ethan. Oh, okay. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a magnificent life you have and have lived. And I am so thrilled that we were able to make this happen. And I appreciate your time. This is great. If I was in New York and could come see yes. you, I would totally see you. Uh, awesome. But I'm in freezing Denver, Colorado. So <laughs> well, maybe I'll come visit you and go skiing with you someday. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for your team and for everybody getting this going. And Alicia, thank you so much. You're the best. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care. <laughs>